So in this episode, we're going to talk a lot about um, women, especially about women in the workforce, women with different jobs. We also talk a lot about um, children and how women, um, scare quotes, mm. make children. And, and think, are useful because they yeah. make children. And I think in this conversation, we are very much talking about the idea of cis women having wombs and being able to make children quite mm. essentially. I mean, if you've listened to any of our other episodes, you'll probably know that we're not from the standpoint that women have wombs, men have penises. But I think we're keeping it quite, quote-unquote, simple in this so episode. So that it's easy for us to talk about. Yeah. We're also talking a lot about sex work in this, and we do talk about quote-unquote prostitution because it is the phrase that is most used in the quotes and in the novel. When possible, trying to use sex work, so mm. we'll use sex work for now. For now, until, um, yeah. um, until we know any better. times but also some of them is mainly sad <laughs> yeah well, we'll start on a high and then just get yeah, progressive yeah, just, yeah, get sadder and sadder and sadder like a normal episode like a normal yeah that's exactly <laughs> so yeah we have a clarification from talia oh, and should we talia's muse should we start yeah this is going to be edited into <laughs> <laughs> this is no one but we all we all agreed on that um, in a tacit, non-verbal, no. telepathetic no, I way. No, I get those. <laughs> so this is from Talia at Talia's Muse on Twitter, who um, said, wanted to add that Bishop Muriel is... Oh, I, sh- oh, I should have... Episcopalian. Episcopalian. Episcopalian? Let me see. Type of Christian. Episcopalian. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> no one has ever said that in any of my sources. So he's not Catholic? Uh, apparently not. Wait, what is it? I should know what a... What is an Episcopalian? Episcopalian. I'll look it up right now. Oh, me. Do um, they write lots of letters? <coughs> um, I'm definitely That was an epistolary right. joke. Wrong. Definitely spelling it. Oh, I've not got it in Wi-Fi. I, I got it, but it just wasn't... But no wasn't one found... Sorry. It's fine. It's fine. Um, it's fine. The Episcopalians also believe in saints. They've even named some of their churches after them. Sounds like a Catholic. <laughs> Today on Sounds Like a Catholic. Bishops <laughs> <laughs> are allowed to oh marry, boy, oh marry in the boy, Episcopal thanks. religion. The Episcopal Church, unlike the Catholic Church, rejects the idea of the Bishop of Rome, the Pope. Having supreme authority. I thought he met... No, he didn't meet the Pope, he met... He met Nap- Napoleon. Napoleon. The Pope of his heart. <laughs> Some have said... You used to be, used to be the Pope of his heart, no longer. Yeah. Hmm. They do not have a centralised authority figure. Said they have bishops and cardinals. I'm surprised it was never said if he wasn't... The Apparently most, it says like, in this hey, uh, like, Natalia's edition. It, uh, I think it's just Grace's edition that doesn't say. Oh. Is that canonical that it doesn't, or did I just not get it? Or maybe this is a thing that we can come back to. Yeah, I think that's probably... Yeah, because I'm yeah, just reading, like, the first mm. random source I found. <laughs> I, I could look into this proper mm. and Bishop okay. Muriel and... Yeah, and then I'll reply to this. 
tweet. Hey, thank you. We've got our researcher on it. Don't yeah. you worry. I had to speak French yesterday in the in the. You just um, spoke French then. What are you talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That wasn't... Wait, that wasn't <laughs> I'm Nemo, your moderator. I am currently on my third drink. And and I have a master's degree. And you got a master's degree. Uh, I'm all very proud. And I use they them pronouns. I'm Grace. I won another saddlery competition <laughs> this week. <laughs> and I also use they them pronouns. They them are so overachieving this week. <laughs> this is Stevie. I read like 150 books. This yeah, week. you're the your secondary researcher. She her took herself to the fucking library. <laughs> hey uh, Stevie, when the library gonna be open? Nine to five thirty. <laughs> Are we? So we're just getting into the chapters about Fontaine. Oh right, which is so we're just getting into. <laughs> All right, Timon. That was a. That was a. The Lion King deep cut. I don't think the Lion King is very deep cut. I know, that, that was a deep cut. I cut into it. Yeah. It did indeed cut deep. We're like, oh shit. <laughs> Women! <laughs> They're in Lambers. But not that many. So, my, my prompt to Stevie was So, you're in the library. Women. <laughs> Women, bourgeoisie, prostitution? Prostitution? No. no, I just found that because found, I'm great. You yeah. found that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, true. yeah that's true. So, women in Paris at Is the it? time. I found. I, I'm sorry, I just derailed you again. <laughs> I, you go. I was reading Les Mis and I found a word that I didn't understand and I looked up what it meant. Wow. That's character growth. <laughs> In this year, uh, 2018. Uh, so, as I have before mentioned, that Victor Hugo fucking loves to be like, look at all these like dates I know and all this information that I think is really cool and all of these books that I've read. How many like deep cuts can I put in one body of work? So many. That... In 1795, which was the year that JJ stole the bread, was also the year that some women entered the General Assembly in force asking for bread and, according to their adversaries, provoked a real riot. And a female citizen supposedly distributed a printed petition that was none other than the appeal, insurrection of the people, to obtain bread and reconquer its rights. So, to me, was like, ah! Like, and it did, that source didn't mention anything about 1795, being the, like, well, I mean, sorry, it did mention it being that time. It didn't mention anything about John Valjean, so I don't know what in my head was like, look up, what was what was John Valjean doing in that year? But just because there was a thing about bread and rights that I was like, there is no fucking way. I think I'm getting a handle on who Victor Hugo is. Yeah, There's no yeah. way this isn't relevant. And it was in the same fucking year, so I was like, is this him subtly being like, this is the, the year that the bread, and they need bread, and he's going to starve without bread, and these women are coming to be like, we're fucking starving, give us bread. 
discuss. <laughs> Sorry, I um, suddenly realised I had seen a painting of this. Ooh. The Woman of Paris Moche de Versailles. Yeah, it's like loads of women. Um, I'll put it in the show notes if I can find it. But yeah, I, I think I only saw it a couple of months ago. And I was like, oh cool, women did things. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out women did lots of things. <laughs> and I'm going to teach you all about that today. Oh, Amazing. That was such an efficient segue. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I just thought, oh boy, everything, yeah. so everything he ever does ever we should make note of every single date. Okay. This also, incidentally, is a week that I finally looked up a timeline of Les Mis and oh, was shit. like, this has saved my whole life. I've saved it to my phone and I've saved it to my laptop. <laughs> like, phone and background. at the back of my little notebook, I've got the occasional, like, Les Mis is written on this tape. The amount of times I've had to look up, like, when the fuck is yeah. Les Mis set? <laughs> We're really here to talk about the women who took that bread complaint but first, we're going to talk about industrialization in the 19th century, because it sure upset men a lot, it turns out, because as the cities are getting bigger and people need more money, more women are starting to have to work. And there was such clear, like, the woman stays at home and makes the home, man go out and provide. But, oh no, now we all need more money. What are we going to do? Women are going to have to, like, work and stuff. But what does that do to our gender divide? <laughs> Guess we're just going to need to move the goalposts. <laughs> no, we'll just oh, shit. not move them. Oh, that's a Stevie note. I was like, did they say fucking? <laughs> no, I said that they were fucking with the social norms. <laughs> it was me who said that. Um, yeah, so usually working class women, when faced with the decision between caring for their children and contributing to the family's income, usually had to go with paid work. Whereas bourgeoisie, which we'll be also getting an episode of soon, um, usually their women can just can do the stay-at-home, more uh, social norm of the time kind of thing. And this was upsetting to men because, oh no, women are in the workplace and, like, I provide. And, yeah, apparently this was a, resulted in a lot of increased aggression between men. <laughs> Um, because they were like, oh no, what do, what, who am I? And they were encouraged to seek prostitutes to spare the women of the domestic sphere. So, yeah, especially in, like, bourgeoisie households, you where the woman is still this, like, domestic role, they want to keep her that way. So you, but you're an aggressive man and you need to, like, get that out somewhere and we know that. Don't be doing your awful, awful, <laughs> aggressive things. There's so much homicide and stuff in this time in the metropolitan areas. Don't you do that to your wife. You go out and do that elsewhere. This, like, is so... Uh, it's one of the things where you don't... I don't know, maybe it's just a me thing, but my first thought was, oh, shit, I thought that just started with World War One, And then I was like, no way, I did a classics degree. This happened... Like, in ancient Greece. <laughs> and, like, the whole idea that um, aristocratic Greek women would be... I mean, I think it's in every society, right? Like, how pale you are is how aristocratic you are because it means you don't have to go outside. And if you are if you have the luxury of staying indoors and not having to go outside, it means you must have so much money that your man can go outside and then you don't have to do anything and stuff. It's... 
oh man, every society, huh? <laughs> old as time. <laughs> Song as old as rhyme. <laughs> Older yeah. than rhyme. There was a description of Fontaine, I think, in the third chapter. There was a whole page and a half of a physical description of Fontaine. Oh, shit. Oh, no, that's a bad thing. I was like, huh, he didn't do that about Paul Jarvis. Yeah, no. anyone else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just, yeah, like, yeah. a page and a half. And I think this came up when we first were talking about Muriel. There was a uh, source that when he talks about the appearance of someone, is it something like, fuck... I can't remember if it's, like, it's really significant or if it's that, like, if there's there's so much going on internally mm. that the external doesn't matter, so is he more focused on the external matters so much because internally? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't... It's, like, it's... It comes... I'm not going to lie. It comes across just so incredibly gross. Um, there was that meme the other day uh, on Twitter which was like, describe yourself like a white male author would describe oh, yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she breasted breastly. <laughs> breasts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a whole lot of, of things about gold and pearls and her gold flowing hair. And, and but, her luscious white bosom. <laughs> No. Oh. Well, no, actually, that's not true. Oh, my God, he super white male authored it. He did, like, the... Um, bosomed, bosomedly. She bosomed, bosomedly. No, it had the, like, she had a beautiful figure and she dressed very concealingly like she didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Only made it more tempting. <laughs> genuinely no one would lie like it was like and she wore like it was incredibly concealing but it was net so you could sort of see underneath which made it just and the sweat of her the, like skin and literally that was like and her pale skin with its like filigree blue traceries and it's just like oh that's gross <laughs> that was the thing like so this week, a lot of the sources I looked into, the first time I went to the library, I was like, in the Victor Hugo se- like section, pulled every single book out. This time I was like, on every different floor, I was just looking at like France in this time period. And I was like, 19th century France women, 19th century France class. <laughs> but it's like you can't write about this time period about without being like and here's a thing I think about Victor Hugo like the amount of, like I'm we're gonna get into what various people on these subjects think about him but it was like such a, a gem that I was I'm not even having to like come up with many like and this is probably why Victor Hugo bought because these writers are like and speaking on the subject of men treating courtesans like my like shit. told me that I wouldn't get a good mark unless I mentioned Victor Hugo yeah. He just did so much stuff, it's impossible not to have to bring him up. I suppose it's the equivalent of talking, like, like talk, oh, when was Shakespeare around? Sixteenth? Yeah, the, so the 17th century, right? Yes, it's one. Yeah, I wanted to say 17th century, but then I was like, who knows? Um, yeah, it's about, it's like talking about, like, like, 
Theatre in the 17th century. Theatre in the 17th century. Mm. century and you're like, that? do you know who else was there? It was Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> there's a man. There's a, there's a man. There's a shaded and dark. <laughs> who was he? Who was it? It was Shakespeare. <laughs> Please, can we write things in the style of the <laughs> When you were like regaling how he de- describes Fontaine <laughs> to set the seat. Grace is spread across the bed <laughs> on their stomach, propped up on one arm, doing the, like, blinks slowly as gives this description. Thank you. Yeah, so what was I saying? Um, kind of encouraged to, you know, seek their pleasures elsewhere. Coming back Promiscuity <laughs> and adultery and prostitution were socially condoned. Well, officially condemned. Yeah, so they're being encouraged to go find some, the, I don't know, something, something loins, <laughs> something, something dark side. Um, then, yeah. Prostitution was a big thing in this time period. How the law was shits. Yeah. How the law was shit? Yes. Yeah. The police I mean, were real bad. Yeah. And I've got a bone to pick with Javert. Okay. <laughs> but, um... Shit. Yeah, so I've basically found the best source in the whole world ever. Uh-huh. And it's called Gender and Class Differences in 19th Century Fresh French Prostitution. That's the one you're looking for. That's the one we need. That's Les Mis. <laughs> and it's Les Mis. That's and then halfway through, they start talking about Les Mis. Yeah. And then they start shitting on Victor Hugo. And you're like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie's like, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> it's going, it went straight on the bibliography and like, I don't know if I'm just going to upload this page. I was just copying and pasting like, yeah. paragraphs over, like, yes, and then this is great. And basically, I just copied and pasted the whole source over. It's so... It's everything you need on this subject. It's... And then within this very comprehensive source, they're, like, sourcing all these other people, also saying, like, real good stuff. So you're like, ah, oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so they get into the courtesans, but... I. It's not as relevant to Fontaine, but we'll maybe get into that. Um, so this source basically is arguing that gender was the most defining factor in the lives of prostitutes at the time, because it does also get into male prostitutes, but the larger focus is on women, because there was such a, like, the social climate being what it was. It was not good. And the police were really not good. There was, so I learned that regulationism was a thing where basically French officials sought to contain prostitution by maintaining complete and total control over the system. So it was a thing that, because it was, like, a thing that was encouraged, but morally, well, the morals of the time were saying, oh, this isn't good, but, you know, you're good at, like, but you have to, you do, you have to go out and do this thing. Like, everyone has to do it. So how do we regulate it? How do we have all the power over this thing? by rounding everyone up that we can, and this is, like, the police and officials doing it, putting women through, like, forced physical exams and, like, not for their own, like, benefit. This is just to be like, oh, have you got too many diseases? We're going to send you to a prison instead of getting help. And you're like, okay, wow, cool, that's cool. Um, Mm, This doesn't sound like anything that's happening in contemporary mm -hmm. culture right now at all. Cough, cough, ice, cough, cough. Mm. Yeah. Also, it's really interesting as well, because... I strongly believe, right, that, like, that sex work should be legalised and that sort of thing because it's the sort of thing, like, it... It's like, going to happen. It's always, so it's always going to happen, so you've got to protect mm. the people who are mm. doing it. 
but then that brings about the the other side of things right that like when something becomes controlled by a ill-meaning government the power goes even further from the control of the people who are made vulnerable by it yeah, well, there's... Oh, do you want to go? Sorry. Sorry, you no, can, um, just asterisk, asterisk, none of us have worked as a, yeah, as a sex worker before, yeah, so... Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we can only talk about it from... An external uh, perspective. Mm, yeah. Mm. But yeah, I think it, it... Well, likely is coming off the backs of this, like, oh no, women are, like, making money now, and not in their place in the home. How are we going to control them even mm. further in this job that, like, we want them to have but really don't want them to have? Like, France was going through this huge, like, morality, old, their old version of morality versus, like, you know, modernity is starting to happen for them. So it was all kind of very all over the place. Something that I read, I know that we're not talking about the homosexuality in this episode, but one of the things I read in the article about toilets and, like, toilet homosexuality... I have no idea what you guys are talking about every time you bring up toilets, by the way. I don't. It was just one source that I told CV that I had yeah. read from oh, my dissertation, okay. and mm. it was basically about, like, men... What's it called? Is it cottaging? No, that's a... Is it? Mm, men using public toilets to have homosexual sex. And one of the big things in, a, in it was about how... One of the reasons that homosexuality, homosexuality, because it was legal at the time, one of the reasons it was seen as, like, so bad was because they had just come back from this massive war when so many men had died. And it was like, you're going to waste your time putting your semen on the toilet walls when you could be putting it in a woman and giving us children? Because we don't have many legitimate ones. We have a lot of, like, brats, but, like, they're going to die anyway because, like malnutrition and stuff marry a woman give us honest children thank you Mm. like so homosexuality wasn't seen as well i don't know i think they masked it in a lot of like religious stuff but it was a Mm. lot about like we legitimately don't have many children a lot of what's happening now in uh asia i know japan specifically but like there's a rising population where rising age of the population where the average age now is like 40 or something um because people just aren't having kids anymore um which isn't to do with war it's more to do with like work ethic and stuff like that but yeah the reason i said it was because like the moral panic of getting women to work and stuff and it's like great you are a pair of hands but also babies babies (laughs) (laughs) babies question mark yeah at the beginning of one of the sources that is talking about, like, the morality of the time, it really nicely starts by saying, like, I am not talking about what I think is, like, morals. This is the word they used at the time mm. in these specific beliefs, so I will be using this. This is not what I'm saying is morally right or morally wrong. I'm talking about this time, and this is the way that we have to talk about it, That's, because this is what yeah. they believed of themselves at the time. That is really interesting. I think... We we keep on saying we're going to have an uh, an episode about translations, but that is something that we need to bring up as well, because I read a lot of things that didn't say that, and it was very much, like, not quote-unquote safe space mm. of, like, when you're reading the article written by this person who's, like, translating it, it's like, you could imagine that it's also the translator's opinions yeah which is kind of current as well because Mm. um i can't remember what her name is 
who is one of the first women or the first woman to translate the Odyssey has just been published, mm. right? She's <laughs> just a couple of millennia after. Yeah, no, for yeah. real. And that's the thing is that, like, it comes from where she was reading the Odyssey, like, she was reading mm. translations of the Odyssey, and it was sort of, like, interjections of, like, um, char- of, like, which characters which were in the Greek weren't necessarily described as whores, weren't described like this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. But it's somehow found it's happened. Oh, it's that, find its way yeah, into it the I don't know how this happened. And it's like interject it's, you know, like patriarchal interjections that that, that people don't even notice because they're so mm. assumed to be the case. Yeah. And, and things about race and lemon. Absolutely. And well, and yeah. Nineteenth like century stuff and stuff. Yeah. And like I was reading loads of things in translation and then being like, mm. Mm. would that have been that? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. I've just looked up when the source that like really went out of its way to be like, uh when I talk about morals, I mean traditional norms of the time was actually and I was like, oh, could a lot of these sources are from such a like wide span of time, like it's Senate House, a very old, big library. So you get like current day ones, and then ones that are like so fucking old. I'm surprised that this is one published 1981 because I know like some of these sources I do come across are like published 2017, like mm-hmm. ones I came across that mention fan fiction and things like that. <laughs> that you're like, okay, yeah, I expect this from you, but yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting to read. And I, I probably butchered Themistodi's name. Themistodi's. Um, Themistodes? Themistodes? I don't know. Shall we maybe spell it? Them is... Toad S. That's not how you spell stuff. Greek. Yeah. I feel like when I first read it, I was trying to give it some kind of, like, maybe they're Spanish Mm. pronunciation, but but I don't... Themistodes. Someone, like, French slash Greek slash vaguely European is just going to be atting us. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Talk my language. Uh, I'm sorry. But either way, they, like, this is a book published in 1981, like, went out of their way to be, like, I promise you, this is not, I'm not saying that they were right, like, because their opinions at the time were, like, very all over the place. And actually, I've come across that in a couple sources, actually, while studying this, Hmm. being very good and I don't know if it's just because it's this subject matter that it was that I was looking into women and prostitution at the time and, like, changing gender roles that they know to be like, I promise you when I say that, like, this awful thing, it's not me saying that. It's nice, though, that that's a trend. It's, like, yeah. kind of giving me a little bit of hope for it's this. It's nice to know. Yeah. It's, yeah. Especially coming off of the back of uh, being a medievalist. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, well, not everyone here's an old piece of shit. <laughs> anyway, I can't remember where I was, what I was doing. Uh, women, about men and women making babies. Women, aristocratic women versus yeah. uh, people who couldn't. The public sphere. And the private sphere. It's the Trojan You said um, it, you laid on to something really important, so I couldn't cut it out. You mentioned, Mr. oh, this is Mr. Boyton's favourite thing, and I was like, 
I can't. <laughs> Nobody knows who Mr. Boyton is. Mr. Boyton was our sixth form classics oh. teacher. So whenever Grace is like, oh, Mr. Boyton's favorite thing, it's like the Oikos. Yeah. I did one year of classics too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah something like that. I don't know if it too much for the podcast, but you guys might find saddening and to do with babies <laughs> and women's health at the time, but because it's like a kink to sleep with a woman who's pregnant, so we'll let those ah. prostitutes stay pregnant. And then they have a baby. They were just like, let's, let's just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> this like sad list of like, yeah, women, they just had to keep doing their job through everything, and here's a list of everything they had to still do it while it was going on, and you're like, huh. It was a lot violating the rights of prostitutes yeah. and their economic powerlessness made this treatment possible. There was some... So the source also has, at the bottom, a load of, like, really good and interesting images. And I came across this week a lot of very good, like, tables of facts and numbers. Nice. So if anyone's actually, like, for some reason using this podcast to maybe help them find sources... This one's bibliography so fucking good. There was like, here's a table of the jobs that, obviously just the like prostitutes that the police rounded up, which is like a lot of them. But like you know, the will be who slip through the gaps, or I'm not in a state to be used officially. That's also sad. Um, but yeah, of their like actual day jobs that they have as well as doing this. And, like, but over time as well, it's very interesting to, like... On the one hand, you're like, wow, it's so cool that we, like, have these figures, and you're like, it's because the awful, awful Mm. police were rounding them up and forcing them to do this. Oh, that's not so good. Mm. But we do have this information. Um, And that, the uh, generic stereotype, which I feel like maybe is still true, is, I guess, changing as this becomes, like a subject that people talk about more. Um, So the most generic stereotype of the time and, like, probably mostly true to this day of a sex worker is that they're maybe lower-class women, poverty-stricken, at the time very much thought of as without a husband who need to support their families, which is just like, ah, Fontaine! Mm -hmm. Um, And based on these charts that track the occupations of most of the sex workers. The servant girl, it was in quotes on this sort as well. Um, you can't see. But I would see Servant girl. You can see it now, just, just, just orally. <laughs> uh, consistently forms the highest percentage of registered prostitutes. And there's this like interesting theory that a lot of people have like brought up and mentioned so I've, I don't know if enough people bring it up that were like that probably is what happened like officially unofficially um, that bourgeoisie the, the bourgeois society in 19th century Europe they purposefully underpaid their servant girls to force them mm. to need to seek other work mm. therefore maintaining these reserves of women to facilitate this like bourgeoisie perfect family Mm, and our perfect women and we think that like okay so we don't want to you know do these things with our perfect woman in the home Mm. so we need to do it elsewhere how do we make sure there's always going to be women elsewhere we underpay our servant girls so that they have to do that it it makes me think of things like 
McDonald's and stuff that like criminally underpay their workers and it's like you have to work these many many hours for us because mm. if you don't then there's no way to pay your children so keep on working keep on mm. working hard you gotta work all these hours oh you didn't work these hours well then you can't feed your family like the forced amount of yeah it just yeah. like tracks way too well that you're like mm. yeah that feels probably true well like when you first said it when you first said like um a lot of them were like serving girls or whatever i was like how many of those girls would have been uh raped yeah not necessarily started off as choosing to be sex workers ah that's a that's a downer (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sorry but this like this part of the library like you mean this episode this about episode. women in the 19th yeah. century isn't a fun party? <laughs> this isn't a romp with my friends? Um, I mean, guys, like, you you keep being like, whoa, this bit's so sad. You've got to remember, this book is <laughs> <laughs> so sad. <laughs> it's called Les Miserables. That's why I've got to keep on bringing up Chivarin. <laughs> to get through my run. Because neither of them die. On a slightly less downer, mm-hmm. while that was the majority, there was so much money to be made doing this at the time because fucking, yeah, all these men, so many men fuck, who were yeah. like, fuck, I just need, I need to fuck. Mm. I, fuck I, I, need I to have fuck. to. And I'm so, so industrial and aggressive right now mm. that um, that wasn't the only reason, like, women of almost every background turn to this to make money. And, like, maybe we'll do one on the courtesans because it's slightly less depressing. And some of them were, like, started as very, like, low-class and this amazing source gets into very specific examples Mm. of women who are, like, started from, like, the worst, so sad, and just being like, right, I don't even want to fuck these men because we have some some of their memoirs that have been found, just being like, I know they will get me property, they will get me jewels, I just have to spend, like, a day sometimes with a guy that I hate, and here's why they suck, and let me detail that I'm set. Mm. There's a really good book called... It's either called The Women of Greece and Rome or Gender in Greece and Rome or something like that, and it's basically... one of our... Source books. Yeah, yeah, the purple. The purple one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we didn't really go into it in A levels, but I also had it for yeah. uni. And there are a couple of really good sources about prostitution or sex work in the classical eras. And there are a couple of ones. They're all written by men, so you know, mm. pinch of salt. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of really good ones about like women who are bourgeoisie or like aristocratic kind of level and who choose sex work mm. because they're just like gotta, I want this gotta fill my nights yeah. like, like yeah and like I think I remember reading something mm. about there are a couple of really shitty ones like, about like, like it was a gross like middle one about like yeah middle one. class women being like I just want to have sex yeah, yeah. and like mm, I don't want my husband so I want this I'm gonna go and have lots of sex called, um, gladiator ah yeah. Yeah. I'm have a gladiator with a Big sword. <laughs> a big sword. <laughs> you can hear the W when I say sword. <laughs> but that 
on the whole, according to the facts and figures anyway, a lot of it was that uh, generic stereotype. Is it one if it's, like, true? A lot of it was the lower-class women needing the money because they're being put in this position where they need it and they've got to make money somewhere and there wasn't a whole lot of ways women could get money in this time. We do probably, I don't know how much usable material we have, probably have time for the rights of women. Did you just stop? Maybe there was one in there. Maybe there was maybe just one dab. <laughs> and one like At least a half a dab. <laughs> As we've discussed. Women there were... sometimes have rights. <laughs> well, not a lot of the time. But actually, during the Reign of Terror, which I've already done a very clusterfuck episode on, which was 1790-something... To something else. It was seven years. It was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. 1789. <laughs> That's the year. No <laughs> way! I'll lose it. Are you ready for more yet? You don't want to hear this white kid keep doing this carry They on. did have it all and lose it all. Actually, during that time period, because everything was a clusterfuck, and so many revolutions that happened at this point, that at the beginning of it... We were kind of like, well, everyone should be equal because we're all about equality. 1792. We wanted to take power away from the church. Let's start secularizing marriage and divorce. And through doing that, maybe giving a couple more rights to women. Maybe we make them equal. Maybe just a little bit. For like a second. And also illegitimate children. I feel like that, did that come up earlier? Maybe it didn't. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Maybe we'll put it in somewhere else. But, um, yeah, for a hot second there, they were like, well, we want people to be equal. I guess women are people too. But there's contradictions between theory and practice, in quote marks. (laughs) (laughs) And basically that didn't really last a hot second. So I learned that during the terror, women were kind of like terrifying to men during this time period because they were like getting on top of having a voice and being like, yeah, things are shit. And we're just like marching around and we're like baying for blood and we want change and give us a fucking bread. And just like super vocal and there was almost these like gangs of women forming and then there was like rival gangs of women and fights between them and like, oh shit. Girl gangs. Well, they wearing leather jackets. They were wearing little ribbons, those red, white, and blue ones, oh, and other girl no. gangs won, and they were like, fuck you, we wear the goddamn flag. <laughs> and then some shit went down. But yeah, because when we talked about the terror, I sort of mentioned, you know, like, you could get called out for pretty much anything and be like, oh, that sounded very monarchist of you, <laughs> and then you're being hauled away. So no one really trusted anyone, and... Things were pretty wild. And women were super involved in that. And then as they were sort of forming their, like, state, and this was during, what were they called? The, like, Department of Public Safety and things like that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, during that. But they were starting to be like, hmm, okay, maybe this is a bit, oh, let's just take a couple of those rights away from women. Because, you know, they keep coming into the assembly where the men are talking and they're giving their opinion. And uh, 
they should be taking the... Well, as a quote from uh, Chaumet, a procurator of the Paris Commune, so, like, a guy who was, like, quotes, on their side, scolded a deputation of women when they should have been home taking care of their children and obeying their husbands. This from the, like, same department that had, like, been like, yeah, we should, you know, make women equal. Not even that long after, it was like, oh, wait, actually, no, they shouldn't. Nice. And it's like, right. we're, over this time period, women went from, like, no rights before, sort of you getting to speak out a lot and, like, really loving that. There are some, like, great images in this book of just, like, hordes of women just, like, getting shit done and, like, I think I took some pictures, looking really pissed and we're like, yeah, 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 freaking yeah. It's not just, like, women looking demure and with small hands holding a handkerchief. They're, like, out there. Fighting for their bread. Yeah. And then... Oh, they can't believe Jean Valjean... Is a man, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. For real, mm. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, right in the beginning when you were talking about, like, the women um, the women coming, demanding bread, and then bringing writing... Um, I can't remember what you said exactly, but it was something about um, a woman bringing, like, a petition mm. or, or some such. Like, for bread and rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I was, I was originally trying to put together a thought about how it was really interesting that the women came with um a like a, a written petition and victor hugo wrote a man doing um making rash, rash action whereas the actual thing that happened is like women you know pre- making a premeditated and i was like oh maybe he's making a comment and then i was like no it's victor hugo, it's victor hugo. but can you imagine like I mean, I. Okay, one. I love Les Mis. Obviously, we have yeah, we all like, yeah, we all Two, love Les Mis. I dislike Victor Hugo. Mm. Three. I love Jean Valjean. Four. It would be wild if Jean Valjean was a woman. Mm. Five. Can you imagine? Like we've been talking a lot about how the reception of Jean Valjean being a convict, like to us, is quite desensitized because we're mm. like, you know, if we have Oranges yeah. of New Black, we have all of these like mm. criminal, like heist things, Ocean's Eight, where like, um, need to go and see like that. the protagonist is a criminal, and we like don't blink an eye because you know mm. we have that like level of. <laughs> Empathy towards not even empathy. That's a whole different thought. I think I would pitch, if I may interject, that that we have an empathy towards criminals in scare quotes in the media that we consume more than potentially. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think this is very much about us three rather than society in general as well. Mm. Because I, well, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot here to unpack. I want to scoop past that yeah. pretty quickly to kind of get to the point that we watch a lot of media where the criminal, usually the criminal who is the, like, empathetic criminal. Anyway, that that's a whole other, mm. other thing. Because you could say, like, Hannibal and all that kind of stuff. But mm. if a man called Jean Valjean, who is assumedly cisgender, who is assumedly red as straight and who is assumedly red as white is surprising enough to an audience. I don't think that this book could have been written with a woman, 
it would have been amazing if it had been. Mm. And like, wow, what a pioneer that would have been. Mm. I mean, with a cis Whether it would have existed. Imagine if it was Jean Valjean, mm. Jean's sister, and her sister, Jeanette. 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 We know that everyone in that family is canonically called Jean. Jean. I'm pretty sure his mother was called Jeanette. Yeah, well, all male superheroes or all male protagonists and things, they can be amazingly powerful, amazingly handsome, and amazingly talented in their social sphere as well. Mm. But as soon as a woman is amazingly powerful, amazingly beautiful, and amazingly talented um, in the social sphere, that's a Mary Sue. That's a Mary Sue. We had this conversation yeah. this week. Yeah. Mm. And I think, like, how quickly Jean Valjean would become a Mary Sue if yeah. he was Jean Valjean. Mm. Like, this amazingly talented, amazingly mm. looks 40 at 80. <laughs> so swole. Also, She's so swole. Yeah. yeah, also like the, this like... amazing mother I figure. Yeah, and... I don't know anything about the economy, but I just somehow made all this money. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But I, I, mm. but I actually think it's pretty powerful that we do have a, a man who takes in a child yeah. and original is a single listen- dad. Yeah. Yeah, original mm. single dad. <laughs> original single dad. dad. Original, like, um, kind. I don't know if it's an original, but, like, yeah, kind man mm. who deals with his problems not through, like, masculine, gonna fuck a prostitute mm. attitude that we've been talking mm. about, but through, like, mm. I would rather... N- like, he goes to the barricades where there's literally people shooting at him and mm. he doesn't kill a single person. He doesn't shoot a fire... He doesn't shoot a single gun. Like, wow, wild! Mm. Like, so, although it is really sad that we don't have Jean Valjean, female, bread ceiling amazing, beautiful woman. We do have Jean Valjean. I'm just making triangles on my bed. (laughs) Like, we do have amazing male, kind father, listens to his child, kind of. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, like, to the point that we do have. Not to say that he couldn't have had better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 At least he is sympathetic to the, like two female characters he comes across. Yeah. It would be really interesting to... I don't think I've read any fics where um, Jean Valjean is female and Javert is also female. And it would be really interesting, I think, because the potential additional layer to Javert of being a woman high-ranking in the police force mm-hmm. who is, like, like, sort of almost, like, gone back... In, on what's, like, good for, like, women in general sort of thing, mm. because it's just it's just what is expected and, like, what is... how it's done in the police and that sort of thing and her becoming self-aware of that. And, again, I, sp- the, I think we've brought it up before, but, you know, the one real good Indigenous Javert mm. fic, like, in a, like, a comparable... Mm. way to that and becoming like aware of that I would read the fuck out of that that would be really good I think that's the reason why I tend to only really like like I get kind of pissed off nowadays when I read any kind of Ben. well no that's a that's a completely different conversation Mm. my first thought was like 
I like reading where Javert and Valjean aren't white. Mm. And, like, I will pretty much close a tab now if they're not not white. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm, like, we're so beyond... Mm. Like, there's nothing that a white Javert can yeah, bring to me. the table. Like, this mm. is, like at this yeah. point in time, we don't mm. need a racist cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, is, I don't want to. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to read this. Yeah, it's much more interesting, even though it is problematic to talk about like people of color who don't understand. Like, I, this is this is so many conversations that we mm. can't even like get into mm. right now. Mm. Um, and I was thinking about yeah, the that the thought of like um, gender bend in scare quotes also being very problematic as a as a thing and. Yeah, uh, it's so much. Mm. So my my mm. face was. We can't talk about this yeah. right now. This yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Tell us about your experience uh, as the, a woman in the nineteenth century France. That experience that I lived. Mm. They got those couple rights. They got those taken away, and then it kind of almost went even further that uh, groups of women weren't even allowed to like happen. Women weren't allowed to attend oh political gatherings. Jesus. And no longer allowed to gather in the streets in groups of more than five. Oh my god, that's like literally what happens in Harry Potter. <laughs> like, not, not women specifically, but like that's literally what Umbridge does. Okay. Like, that's wild. Like, oh, oh my that's god. what happens to black people. Yeah, in a non. Yeah, wow, yeah. In the real world. Yeah. yeah. That non fantasy. Yeah. That's um, something I've not thought about before. Thank you for. Yeah, mm. we've been doing it all through history. It it turns out because you know groups of people they gotta be scheming, mm. and those women they're so violent. They they want the revolution harder than anyone else, and that is terrifying or something. Um, yeah, so actually over this seven years, uh, as of seventeen ninety five, the rights of women may be said to have swung full circle in the six years. Uh, since May 1789. So that 1789 started the terror, 1795, near to the end of it. From inequality to equality, back to inequality. Mm. So this mm. is like the backdrop of what's of the beginning of the book because Victor Hugo born way later, so... I guess he would be looking more at sources of this time and maybe maybe speaking to people of the time. But women had this, like, glimpse of, like, ah, oh, shit, oh, my God, they get to, like, do shit and, like, went super hard because, like, of course they did mm-hmm. and then are, like, crammed back into this box. But industrialization is happening, so they're, like, not really being let out of the box but mm-hmm. trickled out, like, well, men are going to need some stuff done. So you can be prostitutes, but actually we're going to super regulate that in gross ways. And you need to be making money, but you also need to be really good women. And we need to put our bourgeoisie women on really high pedestals. Mm. But also all this other stuff. Um, Yeah, so things for women in this time period were all kind of a lot Mm. and all over the place. And France was doing a lot during this century, and surprise to no one, so many revolutions. But, um, yeah, it's very interesting getting to see images and, like, tables of facts of just, like, yeah, this is what women were really trying to do. 
the image in my head of like revolutionary women is like giving me so much joy is not super something that I've like like revolutionary at that time period women is bringing me a lot of joy and I've not really had that image in my head before and it's making me very happy mm. well you usually get the image of like a woman who stands for like, like justice or and she like, stood yeah. there mm. um, but Victory. those images of like mm. an older woman in like mm. shawl looking like ah I've got fucking get some bread mm. it's not just about these like beautiful women who mm. stand for something. They really stood for something. Yeah, it's a difference between, like, a, a representative, a, a metaphorical representation yeah. representation, and, like, the woman in the shawl yeah. trying to get her bread. Like. So, yeah, it's just kind of, like, wild. And then, yeah, prostitution, and, like, this is something that uh, Victor Hugo obviously thought a lot on. And we get through Fontaine a, like, character that's sympathetic uh, that he we know from his little letters that based on an episode a real life one of him coming across that woman I don't know that we know that she's actually like a sex worker but that woman that like was gonna get put in jail even though this man like started an altercation with her but through the the Victor Hugo like oh do I do anything oh I don't uh, okay yeah Mm. I will instead of versus Jean Valjean's future just rushing straight in to help Mm. which I only know through that episode I haven't actually Mm. read the thing um but so this source the first source the really good um sex worker source directly has a little call out of Victor Hugo doing this thing because on the one hand we like have this guy doing this good thing like making this character and depicts his criticism of the social structures that lead women to sell themselves uh definitely like playing up the whole like archetype of the like poor prostitute Mm. she's trying to support her child and like Mm. that is actually very commendable like yes she is in a really difficult situation, she is trying to support her child. So, like, mm. it makes sense that that's the one that he uses for this. Um, but then we also get Hugo, who simultaneously is a bit of a shit to a lot of courtesans. Um, there is a lot of these sources about courtesans, which are the, like, high, uh, high class... I don't know if that's the right word, but... Mm. The social context. Of yeah, and the social context mm. of, like, they are working with the elite. So, way higher paid... A little bit legitimised as well. Yeah, well, like, like, so weirdly, they are not controlled by the police in the same way. So, like, oh, through the Lord, not legitimised. happen? <laughs> but the, the police actually, like, really fucking hated that this was happening because they couldn't control them, which I thought was quite, mm. like, mm. ah. Um, yeah, there's loads about the courtesans, but I don't think there is any in Les Mis, so I was like, I can at some point come back and, like... Come back with stuff on that because it was very interesting. But there was these like specific examples of Hugo. Like there was a courtesan he went to dinner with, um, with his son, which is weird. Maybe not weird. It's Victor Hugo, and she ended up inviting the son up to like have some fun. Hanky panky. Hanky panky. And Hugo was so like outraged. I cannot believe that she led me on and she didn't have sex with me, that he, like, wrote this public thing, basically, like, calling her out. Uh, she was Alice Orsi, or just Alex Orsi. Oh, I can't read my line. Alice. 
And yeah, he was just like, on the one hand, we've got him like champion in social justice and then also like humiliating actual courtesans. Like, Until it affects him. him personally. Yeah. yeah. But I was just like, well, thank you, Source, for like calling this boy out. Nemo. I want to say in like a, a, a lead on to probably next week um, and to the chapters that we're going to be reading. To, uh, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Grace, or if you don't know, then that's fine. We can think about it until next week. I think Fontaine starts as a courtesan. Oh, does she? The situation for courtesans was, like, kind of very different. Um, I don't... This is more just from memory than from my little book of every quote mm. that I write down. But, um, yeah, so they're working outside of the police's control. Usually are originally, like, very, like, lower working-class women sort of get it, like, usually through, like, the theatre and, like, that kind of thing that someone will be like, oh, hey... I'll put you up somewhere. Just sort of taking on, like, a couple clients. I'm, like, hated by society, but, like, simultaneously, like, so emulated. Like, they're the ones setting fashion trends and, like, Mm. there's... Not for Fontaine, but uh, for some courtesans, uh, I I will find the quote, that it was kind of the most social mobility at the time was, if you are a courtesan, that is, like... Mm. You couldn't really climb the social ladders Mm. in this time period, but this was how you could do it. Mm. So for a very small percentage of women, like, they fucking did it, they made it. I think this is very much... uh, This is very much coming... I I mean, it could be wrong, but I... This is a reading, right? Like A reading of? A reading of Fontaine as a courtesan, or is this something that you... I think this is... No, I think this is... I mean, this isn't something that I know, but this is when... More than Fontaine being a legitimate lover, more than Fontaine being a prostitute, it matches more Fontaine being a courtesan in my remembrance of what happens to her with Ptolemy's. Well, we know what to look out for. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's definitely... She's described as, like, a working girl and things, and, like, as in, in the in the context of being someone who is a working-class girl. Mm. But then also, Stevie just said that they were... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I mean. But then also, she's described as working, but mm. I don't remember her industry. Which is why I'm like, she was yeah. taken out of the... Because the thing with Fontaine is she's taken out of her Social everything. She's, mm-hmm. she's just taken by Ptolemy's. And then put into this, like, whole other world. She's so isolated in this land of, like, aristocracy. And she's elevated to this, like, beautiful house, beautiful gardens, beautiful carriage, beautiful trip, beautiful gardens, beautiful lake. And then we'll <laughs> we'll see what happens <laughs> after that. And, like, I mean, she has Cosette, so, you know. Yeah. So, uh, I was telling these guys, I'm have to go back to Senate House, like, ASAP, because you laying out Fontaine's, like, beginning story like that, Victor Hugo had a uh, mistress for... It was, like, 50 years? A really long time. Like, almost the entirety of her life. Mm. So, oh, God, that sounds so gross. <laughs> no, don't worry. This is the one where there's going to be some Hugo call-out posts. But, so her name, because she deserves to be named, was Juliet Druitt. 
Druitt or Druitt. Drought? Drought. D-R-O-U-E-T. Drought. Drought. Juliet. And before she became Hugo's lover, mistress. Oh, I was saying lover. So she worked through the theatre. She had had past relationships with, like, men of standing. <laughs> had a child through that, had a daughter through that before coming to Hugo. Wow. And, like, their relationship was, like, kind like, so she wouldn't really leave the house unless he was there to escort her. So this whole, like, Fontaine was sort of Mm. taken, kept in this... Fancy house. Fancy house. Mm. Had a... Became pregnant. Mm. I don't know, resonates with that a bit. And there's just... When we get to, I don't know if now's the time, but when we get to it, there are so many parallels with his relationship, Hugo's relationship with Juliet, that he, like, purposefully puts mm, in God. Les Mis. And there's this one, like, quote of her saying, uh, Juliet would remark, ruefully in years to come, Hugo never could resist the sight of a young woman in trouble. Um, or as she later acidly put it, a tart in a bind. God. Like, in reference to uh, Fontaine. So on the one hand, you're like, oh, don't talk about other women like that. But on the other hand, you're like, at the time, you can see why maybe that it's would... Yeah. Hugo, that is at him. him. That is yeah. not... Yeah, that mm. she's like, yeah, he can not resist doing this kind of character. And as we will learn, or I've heard from Tama, he had so many mistresses mm. from so many backgrounds that, like... Yeah, it seems like he can't resist that kind of uh, young woman in trouble, and that is through Fontaine. But you're like, oh, on the, you don't want to take away from like yeah. this character, but and I'm not at all. But yeah, that's it's cool. just like seeing the different sides of like him and this character, I guess, of mm. being like the character does so much. Victor Hugo, why are you a creep? But thank you also for making this mm. character. Do you think Juliet could read? She wrote, she so, wrote so, so, so okay. this thing that I've got from her is uh, this source. It's called My Beloved Toto. I'm going to find That's out why she calls him that. Um, and it's letters from her to Victor Hugo. Uh, I think there's a number in here somewhere. She basically wrote, like, at least 20,000 letters to him. Fuck me! So they were in constant, like, even when she'll have seen him in the morning, she is constantly writing to him, so she could, like, 100% read. He needed a solid relationship with a motherly woman to reaffirm his self-esteem. Juliet needed a father figure to protect her in her current financial crisis and to provide her, in general, with the parenting that, as an orphan, she had never received. This is Bren Barkey. They gave each other exactly what each needed. End quote. But does it count as a daddy think if it's a daddy and a mommy? This is what I was asking you. Yeah. Does it cancel each other out? Yeah. If it's mutual parenting? Does is it, it like, this is just, wait, no. A mommy just... and a daddy think is just a healthy heterosexual no, relationship. This would be so... <laughs> no, it's not though, because it's not like you are a daddy of our children and you are a mommy of our children. It's mm. you are my mommy. I am and I am your daddy, which is just a different... Mm. Is it that the writer of this should be kink-shamed? 
instead of Victor mm. Hugo? Because is it just a nurturing relationship where we both bring different things mm. to the table and you have read into this <laughs> that she needed a father figure to protect her in her current and in general with the parenting that is an orphan? Is this Themis again? No, 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 no. this is my, that's not Themis, he's my good boy. I'm sorry, the like, you know, the, um, the like basic brain is the like Victor Hugo has a daddy king. Like, like the slightly more complex one is the like this is a healthy heterosexual relationship. The third level is the writer has a daddy king. The like exploding brain is that it's not the writer, it's you. It's not. It's you. Something about women. <laughs> I don't know how I would summarize everything that I've tried to impart today. There was an industrialization which changed the gender roles. Men weren't very happy. Then there was a, the reign of terror. Real change gender roles. Well, not didn't change gender roles. Improved women's briefly. And then they got put back even worse. And then men, industrialization is still happening. Women able to get work, not always good. They didn't always want to be sex workers. Some of them did, some of them didn't. Victor Hugo, fan, also a bit of a creep. <laughs> Juliet, the first person who like wrote the introduction to her is in love with her and you can't help but fall in love with Juliet mm. from this person loving her so much. And it's like, these letters read like poetry. No one else could talk to egotastic Victor Hugo the way that she did. She will just call him out. And her just, that, like, call out of, like, yes, Fontaine is important, but Victor Hugo, I know why you're doing this, is interesting to me. This has been a rambling TED Talk by me. You know what I want. <laughs> and this has been Bread and Barricades, a Lemos podcast where we question things. Uh, mostly kinks. Mostly kinks. Sometimes academia. So, has this, been? this has been Brandon Barricades, a Lemos podcast, produced by me, Nima Martin, and Julian Yap. It was a Captain's Collections podcast. Julian is also doing transcripts, though, if anyone does want to volunteer some time to help with transcripts, I think we're a bit behind, so any help would be great. It wasn't audio directed by Jade, because Jade isn't here today, because we're just in us. just in Nima's bedroom. We're just in Nima's bedroom, so we don't have. That's why this episode is probably very long and probably very. <laughs> Because we don't have Jade to be like. We don't uh, have Jade to be yeah. part of the direction. <laughs> and we don't yeah. have Jade's mom to be in the house and us feeling bad <laughs> taking up the time. Yeah. Um, so, but Jade did compose our um, theme music, uh, which you can find at. Well, you can find Jade at JD Wasabi on Twitter, um, or at Wasabi-Playground.com. Um, if you have any comments, questions, or quibbles. Um, please email us at lamospodcast, L-E-S-M-I-S podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter. We also have a Discord chat group, which I'm going to put into the show notes. Uh, it isn't very active right now, so if you want to make it active, that would be great. I know we do have a couple of um, questions and stuff on the Twitter, which I'm going to be getting around to, but haven't been. So... Busy, busy trying to become a, a busy master. Busy trying to become a master. 
We also have a Kofi if you would like to donate some money, if you can, um, to help Stevie go to the library again. Um, so that Stevie can research courses and, and can research sex workers and can do another one of these amazing episodes where Grace doesn't have to read. Well, Grace did read for this episode, just didn't happen to come up. Um, that would be amazing. Um, any other money that we raise through the Kofi goes towards um, posting fees and website fees. Oh yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> Two hours and 44 minutes. Holy shit. friend was like oh you'll get on so well with this person like you both really like musicals and she was like this musical and I was like no and I was like this musical and she was like no (laughs) (laughs) we were like (laughs) you're the wrong kind of musical person person. (laughs) what do you mean you only like French musicals but you don't like Les Mis and you don't like Hamilton (laughs) like oh did they like like the um the vampire one? It's German, I think. Yeah, actually, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Those Europeans, they sure are all the same. <laughs> I, feel, well, I feel only really know impressed. about the German one because the actor in it was a Javert one. Oh my god, <laughs> of course they were. So typecast. <laughs> Sometimes I think in my head that I've like caricatured you, but you do it to yourself. <laughs>